everybody, welcome to the Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast. I'm your host, Limitless Mike. Before I introduce my guest, I'd like to make an important announcement today. I was officially, or this panel rather, was officially picked up by the NSC Roadshow Tour, uh, an affiliate with Ink Marketing, where we help comic creators bring their dreams to life. Tonight, I have with me the creator, author, and writer of Outlier World Forge, coming soon to Kickstarter. Mr. Lincoln, how are you, sir? Doing great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm excited. I'm excited about Outlier World Forge, and I was hoping you could tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, how you came into comics, and um, and a little bit more about uh, how you came to what inspired you to write Outlier World Forge. Well, first of all, um, uh, about me, uh, I, I never really got away from from comics, at least not entirely, in in one form or another. Um, I, I back years ago, back during the '90s, whenever uh, the the big boom was happening with Image and uh, everything else, I was uh, really pressing hard uh, to to try to get in. Actually, as an artist, back in in at that time, um, and uh, I was putting together quite a bit of stuff, but life kind of got in the way. <laughs> oh wow! I, in, in so much as uh, I, I uh, got married, and uh, we uh, pretty quickly had a little boy, and, and practicality uh, won out over over uh, you know hopes and ambitions. And I shifted, <clears throat> excuse me, I shifted directions a little bit, uh, and went from being uh, an aspiring comic artist and writer to uh, a graphic designer. And uh, that's that's pretty much what I've done for a day job, um, in large part for for the majority of my career. Fast forward, uh, coming on thirty years now, and uh, I've I've always uh, uh, kept a, a stable of, of ideas and, and concepts that that I created and wrote. Um, I subsequently have raised. Um, Three sons. I've got a daughter, and and I'm uh, I, I, a lot of my stories I wrote for my kids, you know, um, and and just really never had the time. The circumstances weren't right, but with the advent of of uh, you know the the crowdfunding revolution that's taking place right now, uh, there's never been you know a better time to uh, take those things that have been on a shelf for too long and and pull it out and and, and see if we can't. You know, do something with it, and that—that's what uh, brought me um, back around to letting comics be my focus uh, a little bit. And uh, so that's yeah, uh, what brought me about three years ago uh, to uh, really bring an outlier from its place on the shelf uh, from its original creation about 15 years ago uh, in its original form to. Uh, uh, what what it ultimately ended up becoming uh, with with the book that hopefully you'll end up with in your hot little hands early next year, um, but yeah, that's that's essentially that uh, as far as what what brought me full circle to where I am now. And Outlier is uh, was originally my idea in the very beginning 
all good ideas kind of come from, uh, you know, two disparate, completely different things that have nothing to do with one another colliding in your headspace. And that's that's sort of what happened with with Outlier. I was I was thinking about uh, words of power, you know, the whole idea that that words have power. And I was thinking of of, uh, you know, the the uh, the gods that have appeared throughout history in different cultures and different situations. And I settled at the time I, I settled on Loki. Uh, because my thinking uh, was, you know, okay, this trickster god individual, um, you know, what what if he was uh, actually just some sort of celestial con, con man? In fact, what if they all were just uh, celestial con men of, of one sort or another who, who came uh, in the midst oh uh, in the midst of, of humanity and uh, came down here and, and pretty much uh, set up shop just to take advantage of mere mortals and that was my thinking at the time and then lo and behold Marvel came along and dropped the MCU in the middle of the world and again <laughs> we're talking 15 years ago so <laughs> Uh, the MCU happens along and suddenly Loki's not really a property that you want to put your hands on anymore. And so I had to redo things. And that's what, that's what uh, made the transition from what was then Loki Jones and the 17 words of power became uh, outlier world forge. And so there was a lot of transmutation that happened there in order to bring uh, you know, one story into the other. And so I kind of went back to the drawing board and I put together uh, a concept that was uh, loosely tied to Judeo-Christian beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, instead of going specifically from the celestial con man angle, I, I, I put together some other ideas, kind of threw that into the recipe. Uh, I remember I was... I was playing Skyrim one day uh, back sometime between now and, and when that game came out. And I was thinking of the different gods that, that exist inside Skyrim. And I was like, you know, to these people in this game, you know, Boethia or whoever, I can't name the gods in Skyrim at the moment. uh, But, you know, these gods are real. They show up. They appear. They to these NPCs, obviously in the limited scope of the the framework of compared to what I created, a very primitive game. Uh, you know, this is this is reality to them. And so suddenly, you know, there was a the mind blown explosion of what if, uh, what if uh, our world was a simulation somewhat like Skyrim, but infinitely more uh, complex. And okay, what if that's the way that God created the world? He, he It's lines of code. No wonder God can speak the world into existence because it's lines of code. And of course it just appears because that's the way that it manifested. Uh, and so I, I went and ran with that idea and our, our boy Rafe Ghadara, uh, is uh, the protagonist of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
He was present at the at the actual creation of the universe uh, on the uh, uh, the the place called the span, which is the substrate that exists outside time. It's uh, kind of like the uh, the celestial control room of creation, uh, where the, the source code of of our reality was was framed and set in motion, and. Uh, he was uh, his his role was that of concordance. He was the record keeper and the secret keeper. And uh, there was so once once everything was set in motion, God kind of pulled an A wall on the celestial beings. Let's for the sake of saying it, we're going to use angels. Although I don't I don't like using a lot of religious overtones, not because I'm necessarily afraid of that, but because this isn't per se a religious book. It's just using some of that framework to tell a story in a completely different way right. than, 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 it's, than it's ever been told before. So right. uh, there, was, there was disagreement as to how to continue to carry out the plan because, you know, the host of, of – the celestials were were pretty much rudderless and directionless beyond it set in motion now what do we do mm. and as creation began to grow and change and evolve as as uh time passed by you know there was concern over what needed to happen and there was disagreement as to what should occur and so there was uh first disagreement became Heated arguments and heated arguments became uh, was headed quickly toward open open uh, conflict. And Rafe saw the writing on the wall and he said, "You know what? I want no part of it." And he uh, left his place on the span and fled into the reality simulation. And he has uh, lived, you know, pretty much countless lives hidden among humanity, keeping. Wow. the knowledge that he has secret from both parties because he doesn't think either one of them uh, really know what they're doing. <laughs> and he's he kind knows of, best, when, huh? <laughs> uh, well, he feels like he does. And that's why it's called, an, uh, that's why the book is called outlier because the definition of that term is something that falls completely outside the norm. You've got, uh, you drop a hundred marbles and, you know, 90 of them fall over here and 89 of them fall over there and however many fall there. But there's that one marble that falls outside the, uh, the, the parameter of, of expectation. That's him. And that's so totally appropriate too. That's an awesome. I was going to ask you how you came to the new, the new title of the book, revamping it from the old one, which started with Loki. Um, that's, yeah. that's so. And World Forge is because of the reality simulation, right? This is a that, that's a world. And okay, it's, it's a world you forge yourself. <laughs> pretty much, uh, there's there's that, and then there's you find out uh, without giving too much away. There's there's a, a scene that takes place in the book where, where you see um, uh, a piece of technology is given to humanity that they should have never, ever, ever had access to. And it's ultimately, uh, (laughs) well, there's that, but this is, this is celestial technology that, that basically uh, gives 
humanity uh, the 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 keys to daddy's car and you know their children who have no <laughs> business getting behind a wheel and you know circumstances ensue throughout the the course of the over overarching story that uh serious ramifications take place that could completely unravel reality and uh that's what rafe is forced to uh to um uh, you know intervene and and do something about he's got to cross that threshold and go back to you know from where he ran away from to kind of put order back to together again is yeah, what it sounds it, like the thing of it is is he's not that kind of guy Rafe has gotten into a rut for way too long uh, of being just the opposite of that and uh, it all kind of falls apart for him in one evening whenever his uh, uh, door pretty much gets blown off its edges and uh, his careful hiding finds out isn't nearly as secure as he, as he thought it was. And uh, there's a point of view character that we get to know, a young lady by the name of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Kendra Owens. Uh-huh. She is very much the, 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 the heart of humanity who helps Rafe to understand the difference and bridge the gap between what it is to observe humanity and walk among them and what it is to be human and why he needs to invest in helping humanity and help help him bridge the gap that he's never been able to do by himself. Got you. So he she's like um, she's like Rafe's um, Lois Lane. Yeah. Uh, the, the person that, you know, is between, you know, what is and what he thinks is that kind of mentors him along the way and teaches him that that gift of humanity that is both conflictual but also beautiful at the same time and yeah, why he fight so hard for it she kind of also pretty much slaps it into uh, into into uh, a little bit of reality check in so much everybody needs that even people who think they're beyond um <laughs> beyond measure <laughs> Uh, this sounds like an amazing story, man. Um, I, I I feel like this is things. This you pulled this from from thought and philo- philo- philosophical points that have been um, in different types of entertainment that have been connecting dots to some of the big. No, I'm not gonna say. I won't say. I won't compare it to conspiracy theories, but some of the big conversations and debates on what reality is and how to look at it and the perspective of the human experience, uh, which is really amazing. And um, from what I understand from the Indiegogo page, it's 44 pages. Um, is there anything extra in there? Is there any like 10 page snippets, shorts? Uh, the plan, um, it, it, you know, it really just depends on how things go. Um, uh, one thing that I that I want to include one of one of our stretch goals is to have uh, a beside, behind the scenes sort of making of book that uh, includes uh, concept art and uh, sketches of even abandoned concepts, you know, um, different things like that along the way. Um, we want to uh, share some things that uh, we got from Bart Sears concept art that he did. Uh, toward the project. Of course, he did uh, our big cover 
uh, our secondary cover. Um, yeah, I like that our, one. Man, Bart <laughs> Sears is is one of my top five favorites in the world. Uh, he's just he's just kind of awesome, and I was really lucky to get to get to know Bart. And um, you know, if I got nothing else out of this journey, I've I've got to hang out with with some of my heroes and and uh, uh, you know get to call him friend. Uh, he's 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 really good people, uh, and he's an incredible artist. And I'm very fortunate to have his work on the book. That's awesome. But uh, we've got we've got uh, like I said, we want to do that. Uh, you know, uh, the section that in- includes you know it, which will be a, a separate little uh, ash can into itself uh, of of nothing but you know, the making of concept art. And then in in the pages of the book itself, we want to possibly expand it uh, to include a section uh, that is just nothing but showcasing art and pinups by our uh, our interior artist, uh, Flavio Gron. Uh, he's an Argentinian artist that is just absolutely fantastic. I honestly think that the only thing that's holding that guy back from superstardom is is his language barrier i've been after him i said guy you've got to learn to speak english yeah and, uh, he and i you know if it wasn't for google translate we wouldn't be able to communicate at all i don't think but uh, oh wow uh, you know i i speak spanish uh you know but my spanish is almost as bad as his english so it's yeah. it's, it's kind of one of those situations but so i want to feature him and and showcase his art because darn it he's just awesome and he he deserves to be shown off. And then uh, finally, our uh, our primary cover artist, uh, Javier Gian, uh, Giacomo, uh, he's um, fantastic as well. And I actually had him do uh, the primary cover just, just because I just loved his work so much. Uh, he's going to be the primary artist on the next project that I jump onto, uh, sort of in the middle of completing the story arc for outlier outlier this this book is 44 pages of story yeah Uh, then there are subsequent uh three books that we hope to put out on a quarterly if not quicker basis depending on how streamlined i can get the machine and how well the funding rolls honestly right Right. Uh, but there'll be four books in total to tell the entire story of of everything that goes on here um and it's awesome i've got the cliffhangers I've got the entire arc plotted, but uh, the cliffhanger moments of books two and three are are really kind of epic, <laughs> and I can't wait to to get to those because even though there's a lot of action, a lot of things that go on in this book, uh, it's inevitable whenever you're starting a new property that there's a bunch of setup that has to happen. Right. So in a lot of establishing your worldview without uh, or, or your 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 entire uh, world building without necessarily spoon feeding people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to make the mistake of the Green Lantern movie where it stop, starts off <laughs> oh, with a three minute uh, soliloquy <laughs> over the top. It's like, well, here's our story and I'm having to tell you all this stuff because we wrote it so poorly that if I don't tell you this, you're not going to know what's happening. I'm trying not <laughs> to. <laughs> but, oh, man. Uh, the other project that Javier is going to be working on, hopefully he's, he's uh, the plan is for him to start uh, the third week of November, uh, drawing a book called Hero and Sidekick, which is completely different direction from what Outlier is. It's going to be a lot, a lot lighter-hearted fear. Uh, right. It's uh, a little bit of a coming-of-age story for a kid, and it's uh, 
it's, uh, you know, uh, how would you say, um, an odd couple uh, buddy uh, story uh, with with a kid who could have who could not have less in common with his uh, paternal grandfather, and uh, you know, you, you you get a kid who's a parkour YouTube uh, channel guy who, who's, who's trying to get himself started doing that sort of thing and a very, very, very steeped in tradition, or at yeah. least that's how he appears on the surface. Uh, a ancient Japanese grandfather. Oh no. And wow. so these two worlds collide and, uh, some hilarity ensues as well as, some teaching moments and hopefully some character growth and entertainment between hero and sidekick. That, that actually yeah. sounds really touching, like a really good feel good type of new. Oh God, I hope I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Like a really good type of feel good nuance family type of thing. That, that sounds really cool. It's always watched. It's always, it's always cool to see two characters who don't get along, but they play off each other so well that the conflict and drama just creates great entertainment and storytelling. Yeah. Well, grandpa's not all of these scenes. And like I said, it's definitely glider fair. I, I, I don't know if it's, 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 shooting for drama so much as it's as it's shooting for uh, uh you know uh undermining your expectations in good ways right uh, I'll, I'll put it like that but anyway those are those are kind of uh the primary things that i've got going right now but i have so much more that i want to do <laughs> uh you know i just need i just need support i need backers so yeah yeah, back, backers backers are important to campaigns, and it's and it's really it's really sad that a lot of a lot of I'm not an artist, so I'm at the mercy of all my creative teams when if I want to do a project. Um, but uh, it's it's sad that that has to happen that way. If I could if I could draw all my own stuff, I'd be drawing every day until my hands fell off to push out content. That's why I always uh, that's why I always tell creators and writers, especially, um, it's worth picking up prose writing because sometimes you have a story in your head and everybody's got a different way of mapping it out and outlining and they have it some people use cliff notes um some people use uh, index cards some people write it out in bullet points um i use i use a variety of different techniques but if you could write in prose you can write out short stories and it's about 50 to 100 for a really good like like pristine cover and you could put that on the internet in like mini formats and then when you get ready and you build enough you build up enough funds that you could finally just pay for the book itself or or people or people can try to do you know traditional publishing which is the first six pages colored colored inked and if you're using penciler um and if you're using an inker and then you'll get it lettered and, and try to sell it that way um yeah. 44 pages is a really good first release i don't even think you call it a mini series because um, normally comic books are about 22 to 24 pages traditionally yeah, 22 28 um, something like that yeah i see i see a lot of people pushing 32 pages but this this is more like a, a graphic novel size from like 44 45 to like 96 to 120 pages which once you get done this is going to be huge yeah the idea is once we're done hopefully we'll have a following built up to to the point that we can 
release an omnibus edition that that collects the entire book. I really, really, really want to see that, you know, come together and happen. And that's one thing that, you know, whenever I say I need backers, I, you know, basically, I, I mean, I need hot little hands to put this book into uh, right. so that so that people can read my stuff and say, holy crap, that guy's really he's got something there. And it's not just the same old, same old. And if, if I could say anything and I don't mean to, to disparage or take away from anybody else that's out there crowdfunding, but it, it seems like, you know, it's a visual medium. It's comics. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is. And, and, and the pretty art gets it done. And I, I don't think that we've we've skimped on that at all with with the the product that we're putting out. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I'm really really proud of the story and the way that it's come together. It's not it's not just you know uh, simple you know one 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 uh, one arc one one kind of thought stream yeah. uh, proceeding through the entire thing. I'm really trying to, to build something that that's sophisticated. Most of the writing that I've done over the course of, of my career has been, I've written for, for trade publications, which is really dry stuff that's, that's you know, uh, obviously technical jargon and in, 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 in professional stuff having to do with, you know, the graphic design industry and blah, blah, yeah. blah. But uh, it, it, then I've written, you know, prose. I've got a uh, you know, a novel that I've written, I've done a little bit of playwriting and, and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, writing comics is a totally different animal. Lino's Mike here. Sorry for interrupting your episode, but I just wanted to let everybody know the great news. Comics and Pop-Tarts finally has their own website thanks to Google Domains and to podpage.com. If everybody would please go over to www.comicsn, the letter N, pop-tarts.com. That's www.comics, the letter N, pop-tarts.com, all lowercase. You can continue to support and listen to the channel and make it easier for yourself to follow us by signing up for the newsletter. That means that comics and pop tarts, yahoo.com. When you sign up for the newsletter, my episodes, as soon as they release, come straight to your email. All you have to do is check your email and click play. Now back to the episode. And, uh, uh, you know, because there's so much stuff that you that you can put into something that you write in prose, then you have to be clever about the way that you tell the same thing. Yeah, you know, on on a comic page, and 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 that was, you know, one of the the most interesting challenges that I had was making that transition from from prose writing to to writing for for the comic page. But anybody who's backing our uh, this project, you know. It, there's no concern over whether or not we're going to be able to fulfill because the book's paid for and it's right. a, it's a it is 96 percent drawn right now i'm i'm literally waiting right now for the last for the sketches for the last four pages of this book to be submitted to me um okay. 
uh, from from Flavio. The covers are, are done and colored; they're ready to go. Uh, I have uh, I'm actually coloring the book myself, uh, and I'm going to be lettering it because that's part of my process. At least at this stage of the game, is I'm doing my final edit while I'm actually doing the lettering. That's, <laughs> that's just how I roll. But uh, and I and I just want that kind of control over the book because that's really you know, the, the final touch that, that goes into it. But, you know, we're, we're not too far from being able to do, you know, our color corrections and resizes and put the book together to, to, to go to, to print. I just need to know how many copies to send to who. So I, I, I said that to say this, a lot of people, you know, they look at a first time creator and they're like, yeah, I don't know, you know, are we going to see a book or not? And when are we going to see it? I'm telling you now we're, we're ready to roll. Um, and and uh, I, I want to continue with that kind of mentality moving forward because I've got, I mean, I've got I've got thirty years experience in the print industry anyway. You know, doing big projects, you know, uh, like this is 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 no real stranger to me. It's the difference between doing a catalog as opposed to doing a comic book. <laughs> right. You know, it's 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 similar process in so much as. It's like, <laughs> It's a big, big project with a lot of moving parts. So right, and uh, and and those things you've done earlier in your career helped you. Oh yeah, it's helped you it, helped so. you create a project management system where you could push this out to where you are ninety six percent done, which is impressive, by the way. I, I have a I have a question to ask though. Sure. Um, a lot of people use crowdfunding um, to you know pump out that first six pages to get the art out there they've usually got covers done and um, they they usually got you know most of their trinkets and whatever they're going to couple with their tier packages done and then they push it out and then and then um they they count on that total that total payoff of the entire campaign to finish the book and then they print it out you're 96 percent ready to go that means when your kickstarter launches and hopefully it's soon because i want this book too um <laughs> this is an amazing story, man. I can't wait to read this. This is um, when uh, when your Kickstarter comes out, you're 96% there. You can tell them that. That means when, as soon as Kickstarter is done, I think it takes 14 to 15 days for you to get the funds for Kickstarter. I yeah. believe that means that you're looking at shipping and printing time within about 30 to 40 days. Is that accurate? Yeah. I, something like that. I mean, honestly, it obviously it's going to depend on, on how everything goes. I, I, like I said, I'm coloring the book myself. I'm still working a full-time job. I own my own company. Right. Um, so this is, this is an evening time labor of love sort of thing for me as far as doing, doing the colors. And, uh, I have not been myself. I have not been a comic colorist, you know, with years and years experience doing comic color, which I actually think is to my benefit because I've done a lot of graphic design artwork obviously for years and years but i'm not i'm not just super super fast like maybe some of the other guys uh you know i've got that process that i'm gonna have to go through i i foresee the book showing up in in people's hands uh you know some i I was hoping honestly for for a christmas sort of drop but i don't think that's going to happen now just because i don't i've not been down i don't want to i would rather over deliver and under promise Right. Um, 
you know, in terms of, of what the print process is going to be like, I haven't completely decided. I'm looking at a couple of different print houses to go with. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm surveying guys that have been down this road before. There are so many good people that are doing, you know, the crowd crowdsourced comic book thing who are so free with their advice and, uh, you know, willing, willing to help out, you know, other creators. And I think that's awesome because honestly, with the state of comics, uh, the way that it is today yeah uh, it, we need camaraderie you know exactly between uh between creators for sure and uh you know i'm all about doing that and i, I would love to have you know be in the position to help other other people along the way when i get there you know myself uh i was just to put a plug out for for uh, uh sort of a, a new acquaintance hopefully a friend uh, uh mike from miskatonic high you know, I met him on a panel the other night and we had a great conversation uh, about, um, you know, his projects. He's got 14 or 15 books, I think, under his belt now uh, that are issues of Miskatonic High School. OK, that he has produced and it is just an absolutely incredible storyline in the vein of similar to but completely different from uh, the lock and key books by Joe mm. Hill. Um, yeah. Uh, kind of kind of similar in vein uh, to that. And I, I honestly probably don't need to go any more into the story because I just know the synopsis. But I said that to say this. He was a guy just like me who had an incredible love for, for the, the medium, uh, right. you know, but didn't have, uh, you know, any real experience uh, as a name in the industry. And he started his Kickstarter, uh, you know, started out, I think, garnering around, uh, you know, five grand for the first book. And I think his his last book was around 2,500, you know, and that's the kind of that. And he's producing a book like every 60 days. Uh, that's that's the kind of thing that is. I mean, I want a cookie cutter copy, that kind of that kind of uh, right following, I, you know, in so much as, you know, obviously people are getting on board with that book and they're loving what he's doing. And I, I hope to be able to, you know, every story that I've got in my wheelhouse are loosely connected by uh, certain undercurrent elements that there's no point in even bringing them out now because. Uh, you know, there's so many properties that that I haven't even talked about that I've built for 30 years. Right. That all are are loosely interconnected by. I mentioned it. This this the span is is a huge thing, and it is different things to different uh, character sets and different universes. And right. it's, it's it's crazy the stuff that I've got written. I have reams and reams of stuff that, uh, you know, are different stories and different ideas that honestly the span, uh, you know, that whole concept was something that I dreamed up when I was 16 years old with, with a buddy of mine, you know, and it uh, it's just always been there and I've always held on to it. and. You know, it's like it's like I feel like sometimes there's an alternate reality where I did go that direction, and there's books and movies about about all this stuff. It's it's crazy, but uh, the world forge is telling you really to make it reality. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what it's really all about. 
Mm. That's, I, sometimes, you know, that's funny, but it's not too far off from how I feel some days. No, that's that's an interesting concept, though. It's like if you were in a, uh, a realistic inner dimension, like an alternate reality, and, and this reality is really just like a trash can that mirrors the reflection of that reality. Like, this is what you're picking up. Like, it, it exists somewhere, but we're going to bring it here, too. And that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm fascinated by the idea of, of, of a multiverse and, and the quantum theory and, you know, the, some, some scientists say that there's realities where every decision you have, uh, you could have made, you know, there's realities that exist where that is true. Uh, that's that is mind-boggling you know to even consider so yeah it makes me want to go to california and go to that place that um that the apple guru used to go to and meditate so i can project my consciousness to to the to the reality where i did finish doing insanity and i'm like this ripped guy with like this super megastar lifestyle and I got a bunch of followers, and I'm like, you know, eh, things happen the way they did. Maybe one day, maybe I'll write a story about it. There's no telling, man. You know, no telling. It's it's, 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 what was it? What's uh, the the, the, uh, tagline from the Terminator? No fate, but what we make. Right. That's right. And and, uh, so I'm I'm just I'm at a place. I'm 51 years old and I'm at a place in my life that I uh, I I just decided, you know, honestly, the pandemic had as much to do as anything with me really getting serious about doing this because I, you know, during that the lockdown time, I was like, you know what, if I don't do this, it's not going to get done. You know, right. it's it's not going to happen. And and I don't want to be somewhere sitting in, in my rocking chair saying, man, I really wish I told some of those stories. You know? Right. So, be that old man with Alzheimer's telling stories and they're like, you know, you're on Earth, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then some 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 uh some middle aged sixteen year old kid goes and writes this stuff down and later on when you pass away you see an article in the newspaper of this kid that you told a story to and he's got your stuff written all over the world. We used a That's that's that 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 would that would be my my luck. Uh, maybe it'll be a great so, you know. Yeah. The pandemic is it was a was a huge turning point, I think, as far as introspection goes for a lot of creators and that um, that reflection I have heard from the mouths of creators all over the country whether it be people I've interviewed or whether it be people I've I've watched on YouTube or follow their careers regularly on a regular basis um, or written articles about um, and it's just one of those things where if you have an idea the best way to do it is to just do it and to put it out there and the worst that anybody anything can happen is people don't like it but you might find somebody who will and the camaraderie and that type of connection could pay off in ways that money can't buy you know um so i thought i thought the pandemic was actually kind of a blessing one of those blessings in disguise i know for a lot of people that hurts because a lot of people have lost ones and for those people you know i've sure I'm very sympathetic to um, there's a there's a lot of underlying issues as to why those things happen. But a lot of a lot of what happened uh, in the pandemic for comics is a lot of people decided that 
you know, Kickstarter campaigns and Indiegogo's were a possible thing. And while they were getting all this money and while they were sitting at home with all this free time, it was almost like an opportunity to make yourself an independent person and build a company. So that way, when, yeah. you know, all this craziness, all this new normal crap goes back to, you know, the world that we miss and love so much um, that you don't have to rely on the nine to five and you don't have to have a boss and you, you do something you love. That's one of the reasons why I went to college. I wanted to do yeah. something I loved. It started with video games and then I, I went to a creative writing and then creative writing turned into film and then film turned into hello comics. This is what I, this is what I do now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I turned to I, podcasting I, I because I love the camaraderie of the independent comic scene and everything you just described is, is so awesome. And I'm, I'm the exact same way when it comes to information. If people reach out to me, I'm, I'm more than happy to help anybody when it comes to anything that I know that I can contribute to their journey the way other people have contributed to mine. Well, the, the big two, honestly, have gotten so big. They're... And there has been a disconnect that has happened mm-hmm. between the properties yeah. and the production of comics. And, and comics is such a tiny part of what makes Marvel Marvel. And, yeah. You know, of course, DC isn't even DC really anymore. It's a mm-hmm. part of whoever owns them right now. I'm not even up to date. It went from, uh, you know, Warner to whomever to whomever, AT&T, I think, has them. You know, but I mean... There's a huge gap between it's. There's not a bullpen of, of of you know creatives who are hanging out together who are who are who are feeding off each other's energy, and that's what's so cool about what's happening in this space. Yeah, is you've got creators who are creating some synergy between each other who are not you know hopefully not trying to you know steal ideas or concepts but just you know feed each other information and positive energy to 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 benefit uh you know everybody for 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 the better of of uh you know man the 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 whole freaking uh the the through line for or the theme for my little imprint is simply awesome comics and right. that's what i'm about that's it you know and uh you know, hopefully, hopefully we can we can see more of that happen. You know, uh, I really hope I really hope we can, man. I, I hope your campaign doubles what it, it plans to make. Um, I know a lot of people who who go the route that you've gone um, through the roadshow and through ink marketing have have been super successful. And if you're going the Kickstarter route, then that's just even better because analytics, statistics, and and support would be on your side. So I, I really wish yeah. the best for Outlier in that regards. Um, if you, well, if you, I appreciate it. I don't know, problem, man. If you, if you, um, you give me a few seconds, I want to play this video. I know people can't see it. I'm gonna link it in the show notes, but I'd like to play the audio part of it um, that you cool. you had you had put up on the Indiegogo, just so people can kind of get a tone of yeah. what the story could be about. You know, <laughs> now the tail end of that talks about a September 15th launch. Right. We have uh, with with uh, Kevin Gillette. Uh, from Inked Marketing has actually uh, been working with me, and we we kind of changed a couple of things, and, and the audio is, uh, on that is is not completely uh, up to speed yet. We're we're planning on trying to tweak and retool a couple of things so that we do have the very best launch that we possibly can whenever we 
uh, bring it out on Kickstarter. So. Cool. Awesome. And, uh, and when that new video comes out, I'll be sure to relink it in the show notes because my show notes, they live Super. forever so long as I keep a library of them. So, awesome. so uh, awesome. yeah. we're, we're, we're going to listen right now to Outlier World Forge, the video. Listen up, everybody. Rafe Gadara stood witness when time began. As the concordance, he bore record when the framework of our physical world was designed and set in motion. But when ignorance and ambition fractured his people into warring factions, he refused to take a side, an outlier. Instead, he fled into our reality, taking with him secret knowledge. Hidden for millennia among humanity, he has walked alongside us as drifter, recluse, and watcher living countless lives on the fringe. Now, one man stands on the brink of a discovery that could unmake everything, and old foes are closer than ever. Rafe is forced into the open, but will he be able to use his knowledge to stop unseen powers from rewriting reality, or will he be the catalyst that sets it in motion? Jump on board today and back Outlier World Forge. Man, that was a pretty cool video. I like that. I appreciate it, man. No appreciate problem. Rafe, uh, it just like sticks. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, I, I'd love for him to one of these days be a household word. Who knows? But uh, at this point, I, I would just uh, honestly love for for uh, comic fans to uh, sink their teeth in and, and, and think it was cool because, you know, it. it uh, it kind of defies genre. Um, it's it's not strictly a sci-fi book. It has right. some ele- elements for sure of sci-fi in it. It's got some elements of fantasy. But uh, shucks, we even tell you what, what, why the Mandela effect is a thing <laughs> in, 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 in this book. So uh, anybody who's, who's wondering why the Berenstain Bears used to be the Berenstain Bears, it's... I can tell you now, it's a guy named Kellen Bergman's fault. <laughs> you have to read the books to find out why. <laughs> yeah, this has nothing to this has nothing to do with a secret organization messing with time manipulative technology that they shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but not like you're thinking. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, imagine, uh, in my world at least, imagine uh, imagine uh, a, a, an amalgam of. You know, Elon Musk and uh, Zuckerberg and Bezos pretty much rolled all into one, being given access to technology that he is so arrogant as to believe he can understand and harness when in reality he doesn't have nearly all the information. And the person who gave it to him has ulterior motives. Mm. That's 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 what you're dealing with. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I'd rather take Lex Luger over someone who's combined with an genius like that. That sounds very nefarious <laughs> and narcissistic. <laughs> it, uh, narcissistic, yes. Uh, but, you know, uh, guys like I, I don't think any of those guys think they're necessarily the villain. I think they all think they're the hero of their own piece. Uh, and, and this is definitely true of, of uh, uh, this guy, Kellen Bergman, um, who is the CEO and founder of Infinity Dynamic uh, mm. in, in the book. He, uh, he thinks that he's the savior of the world, and he's been, it's been put in his hands the means to do it. And, you know, with great power. 
Billy <laughs> 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 really thinks he's he's the hero of the story, and he's if he's not careful, he's gonna obliterate everything. We did it for the greater good. Yeah, who's good? There is about, you know, three, four, six, seven billion people in the world. <laughs> yeah, you betcha. That's that's the reality of it. Man, I have definitely enjoyed my time. Uh, it has been great on board. I think you're wrapping up with me. Yeah. Um, actually, before before I, I leave the show, um, I, I, one of the cool things about my podcast that I wanted it to be about specifically was asking um, asking two questions before, um, and I'm going to make this tradition too when I go to the live show. Okay. Cool. Um, and you can answer this in long form or short form. I don't. I don't really mind. Um, if you could work with one person um, in this genre or this medium, who would it be, and what would you work on? Oh dang! <laughs> if, uh, I, I mean, if 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 I could. Are, are we saying people who are working in comics like right now, or people who? If you could work, if you could work with people in comics now, or people in comics who, who may still exist, I don't want to say you can go like the the route because you know if it was me, I'd go with Kirby, but Kirby's no longer with us. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I'd like to work with John Byrne in his prime. Uh, John Byrne, Byrne in 1986, whenever he was uh, retooling Superman. Yeah. Uh, his art was about as fine as paint, in my opinion. He was just absolutely the. It wasn't. There's nothing to say that Jim Lee's work is not sublime because right. it is. But so many people who emulate, uh, you know, Jim Lee's style, if they're not real careful, it just gets liney. Uh, I, I'd love to work with John Byrne. I'd love to work with David Finch. I think Finch is an incredible artist. I'd love to work with uh, Travis Cherist. Uh, I think Travis Cherist is, is is one of the most uh, underrated artists out there in terms of, of uh, his his profile. I love Scott Lobdell. Uh, I think uh, let's see. I'm sorry, not Scott Lobdell. Scott Scott McCloud. Okay. Uh, I uh, I think he's fantastic. And. Uh, uh, who's the other guy? What's his name? What's his name? Um, Drew Super Patriot back in the day. Uh, Dave Johnson. I okay. love his his uh, his style, and they're all over the map. <laughs> yeah, realistically speaking, but uh, those are those are guys that I've loved uh, in terms of just uh, their style and their artwork. But in terms of a long term association, I think uh, I think John Byrne would be awesome. I would, I would and what would you work on? 100 issues with him. Man, uh, honestly, I'd write anything he wanted to draw. <laughs> uh, but but I would, I've, I've got a property called Burner, uh, which is it, it's Free Agent TK. Burner is the, is the primary title that is uh, an idea that is so vast it may never, but it's a, it's a space western sci fi teleportation. Uh, a weird mix-up set a thousand years from now that uh, has to do with the Sublinear Access Network, which is a completely different take on the span, uh, which which is the through line throughout all of my writing that really wasn't planned. It just kind of happened that way. But be that as it may, uh, I would love to work with him on 
on that sort of an epic tale. I think uh, uh, he would he would be awesome doing that's, something like that as far as my property is concerned. That's another awesome concept. And you ever make that story? I'd love to have you on the show. We could talk about that. You're, you're naming stuff that, that I haven't even researched or heard of yet, which is another reason why I ask these questions, because it's a great chance for me to go on here and learn more and, and the followers and listeners to learn more about things and, and people in the industry. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to anybody out there who's listening, who might have ambitions about creating comics, um, what's the most difficult thing that you've found um, writing just just in the scope of the first issue of Outlier World Forge? Whether it be project management, oh. uh, speaking to artists, uh, writing the story or penning the story or plotting it or shopping for any type of needs for the book. Um, two things on the personal side, it really comes down to work. Uh, cause whenever you think you're good enough, whenever you think, oh man, that's awesome. You know, you need to have, if you're a writer, you need to have somebody who is your, who don't have a bunch of somebodies, but have somebody that is in your corner that you trust that, uh, you can go to and say, Here's my concept. Check this out. Tell me what you think. And not have it be somebody who's going to cheer for you and just be in your corner, but somebody who's willing to tell you the hard truth. Uh, the people who have enough intelligence and savvy about what it is they're talking about who can say, man, I like this, but this wasn't clear or I wish you did this or, you know, whatever. Uh, that'd be great. If you can have a mentor, uh, I've, I've been very fortunate that Mike Barron, uh, the creator of Nexus and Badger, uh, mm. he was my script, script doctor on, on this first book and he tore it apart and then helped me show it. He, he helped me to put it back together again. Uh, and he did that of, of his own free will and on his own time and dime, uh, giving, giving me advice. And he was awesome. Uh, but, uh, I'll say that. And then I will say, if you are a writer looking for artists to collaborate with you, trust no one in the beginning because there are a ton of people, even talented people, who only think they want to draw comic books. <laughs> because drawing comics, sequential comics, sequential storytelling ain't easy. It's hard. And to, to do it to an exacting standard and to meet deadlines and to treat it like it's actually business, those are hard to find. I... I the reason that my book took as long as it did from, I told you it was three years in the making. I had the story written, like, I mean, I've done retouches along the way and I, I can't tell you that it hasn't been served by the, the, the fact that it has taken longer than I originally intended. But I had the initial concept for this in the first month, uh, you know, really, really nailed down, pretty much plotted for the first issue and was, was ready to go. The problem was finding an artist and keep in mind, I had money in hand and was willing to let them set their pace and set their rate. And it was still very, very difficult to find anybody who was willing to 
do the job on a consistent basis and treat it like it was actually work and who were willing to take critiques. If I wanted to change something, I wanted it to be, you know, A instead of B, you know, that's just part of it. And uh, finding somebody who's willing to work with you and to have that kind of copacetic relationship, it's not just about clicking and being personable with somebody. It's not about them thinking your idea is cool. It's about will they do the work and will they treat it like work? Because at the end of the day, this is a business. I mean, it, it really is, even though we're hobbyists in so much as nobody's necessarily making this their, or not a lot of us at least is making this their primary form of, 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 of income. Right. My God, I'd like to, you know, and the only yeah. way you're going to do that is to treat it like a business from the beginning. And it doesn't matter if, if, if your book breaks even, or if your book makes a lot of money, you still have a fulfillment to make to the people who are your backers. And right. uh, that commitment is on your entire team. And so that's that's my my long winded answer is is find an artist that you can work with who really wants to work and treat it like work. And that is one of the reasons that I'm so thankful to have Flavia, who has been very awesome about, you know, creating work, turning in work, because, you know, that's part of how he feeds his family. Right. (laughs) You know, it's work. And so. You know, artists, if you're if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna do this thing, really, really do it. And whenever you've done all the work and you think, you know, you've covered all your bases, do it again because there's something you missed. Wow, that's a really good answer. Some really great advice. So listeners, if you're out there listening, you just heard from from Lincoln and that is some of the things that you can encounter when creating your own comic book. Um, man, I I'm very very, very thankful that you came onto the show today, and I, I appreciate all your time and your camaraderie and your your messages and your stories. Um, I'd love to have you back on the show. My name is Limitless sure, Mike, the bet. hosts of Comics and Pop Tarts podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay limitless. You have a good night, Lincoln. You too, man. Take care. You too.